Live from State Street and the Old National Bank Studio. This is Carmen and Yurko. See them on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Or listen to the ESPN Chicago app. ESPN 1000 and 100.3 HD2. This is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. A good Karma Brands radio station. Can I kick it? Kick it. Courtney Cronin will join us in just a second here. Chase Claypool met the media. He was asked, what excites you about this new, fresh opportunity? I think just the way they perceive me here. Obviously, they they went out and got me. So I think that says a lot about how they feel about me. So I think just the the opportunity um, that they kind of gave me by picking me up. He is going to practice today. We'll see how much he plays, if at all, on Sunday. I think he plays a little. Courtney Cronin joins us every week on Wednesday to break down the Bears and discuss the very latest. And there's a lot to discuss from what has already been an action-packed week. Courtney's brought to you by ETI School of Skilled Trades. She joins Carmen and Yurko now. Uh, and it's a fresh start, Courtney, for a player that had 11 total touchdowns as a rookie. Um, a player that's got sort of, uh, I-, I would classify it as a rare combination of size and speed and physicality. I mean, there aren't many guys uh, that look like him, that uh, have the physical traits he has. Now, that doesn't always mean that you're great. Uh, I could give you a list of 50 guys that look good in shorts and that can run fast, that busted out of this league. But we've seen flashes in the past. How much will this fresh start and this second chance benefit Chase Claypool? I think it'll benefit him in a number of ways, the first of which being they're not going to put him in the slot. Like That's what he told us earlier about why his production, in his mind, dipped a little bit this mm. year in Pittsburgh. That was the first time he had been playing inside. And you have a 6'4", 233-pound dude. You're going to use him as your ex. Like, I just think that that's kind of a no-brainer. And he, he like, brings the same sort of size, different speed, but same sort of size that Nikhil Harry brings to this team. So I think that's a huge benefit for Justin Fields to have two big-body targets, and that's going to affect you a lot in the red zone. I mean, we saw the 17-yard touchdown from Fields to Harry this past week. You're able to take advantage of those one-on-one matchups inside the 20 and win them. And then also by the goal line, if you can scheme a matchup where you're bigger and stronger and faster than the other dude, that's going to help you be able to be efficient as a red zone scoring team. So I think that that plays a big role in what we'll see from Chase Claypool. But to your point, how soon do we see him play? Because their MO here has been they're going to work guys in and not put anybody in a situation where they have to do too much before they're ready. Uh, to your point about the slot stuff, like, I, you know, we watch a lot of football. We don't always watch the other teams as closely as we watch our Bears. And so when I looked yesterday and I saw 83.3% of his snaps this year have been in the slot, I was like, hmm, I didn't realize that. It seemed ridiculously high. And then you're like, I don't remember the first couple of years in playing in the slot. And you go back and you look and you're like, okay, I was right. He didn't play really in the slot. What precipitated that move? Was that the arrival of Pickens? Like, why did they do that in Pittsburgh? I think that has something to do with it. And, I mean, they went underwent a lot of changes this year. Uh, when you look at his numbers, Chase Claypool's numbers with Ben Roethlisberger the last two years, and then you have, you know, a new quarterback, two new quarterbacks, because he played with both both Mitchell Trubisky um, and Kenny Pickett. Like, it, they were probably trying to mitigate things for the quarterback, and by moving the wide receiver around, you know, that, that ended up, you know, hurting his production. And, yeah, there was another receiver brought in there, obviously Deontay Johnson in that mix 
too. Like, I just don't think that he was ever able to catch on to the new role that he was being asked to play. I mean, playing with a boundary and being able to beat guys on the mm. outside with your speed is different than having to make catches over the middle of the field potentially. But it's not saying that he can't do it. I just don't think it's a role given the way he spoke about it, it was one that you know, he was super keen on and super comfortable with from the start. Well, when Harry and, uh, and uh, Claypool are on the field together in a three-wide receiver formation, does that put Mooney in as the slot receiver then? Oh, yeah, I would imagine. And that's a really good point because remember how successful early on Mooney was uh, on the inside? I always thought that that was going to be his role this year before, like, you know, early in the offseason. Really, when I started on the beat, I thought, okay, they're going to end up signing somebody so Mooney can play a natural position for him on the inside. And, of course, that didn't really happen. Um, but now I feel like that puts you in a prime spot to be able to utilize Darnell Mooney where he probably is best suited for when they do use 11 personnel. It just gives you a, a different look. And maybe, you know, the way that this wide receiver room is changing right now, I think is something that Bears fans can get excited about. Like, no, mis- no, no slight, nothing on Chase Claypool, but this is not – I'm not saying it's an underwhelming receiver, but he's not Stephon Diggs. He's not like a top 10 receiver, but he's still a very good receiver who's young. He's 24 years old. You have him for a year and a half on this final con on his rookie contract. You can do a lot with him. And so the dynamic of this room changing, Harry's back and he's getting worked into the system. The Mooney field connection is, is steadily improving week to week. Once Claypool gets up to speed, this offense in this passing game, could look a lot different come, you know, what is it, we're going into week nine, maybe by week 11, because that would be two weeks for Claypool to get in a rhythm here and in a groove that maybe the offense looks a little bit more put together from a passing game perspective by that point. Yeah, that would be nice. Courtney Cronin joining us. It's Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000. Um, you know, the, their potential downside is, and I'm asking you to speculate, uh, speculate, that's all we're doing, but the potential downside is, you know, you maybe gave up a f- top 40 or 42 pick for a guy that isn't quite what you expected, I guess, right? I mean, did did they overpay a little, Courtney, in your mind? Yes, I think they did. And I think that the move that they made is them realizing that they overpaid and that it was kind of an overcorrect because there were receivers that Poles could have taken with one of his second-round picks that he had this past draft, and they didn't do that. And, of course, George Bickens being one of those guys, he's having a great season. Um, I think that that that's, this is kind of the overcorrect move for that, and it's not a bad one. I, I just I know that that second round pick the Bears have, you know, very clearly the Steelers, you know, a team that's also three and five, you know, realizes that the Bears are probably going to be trending one direction, while the Ravens, the pick that the other second round pick that the Bears had available to them, you know, very well could be contending. So it's it was a smart, savvy move for Steelers, the Steelers to be like, we will give you him if you give us a top 45 pick in the second round. And, yeah, well, it might be a little bit steeper of a price, and it changed, you know, when I initially thought, I thought, okay, they probably flipped the Roquan pick really quickly. Um, But to see that it was the Bears' own second-round pick changed it a little bit for me. But I can also understand, like, you see a window right now, and I think so much of what played into this for Ryan Poles, and I asked him about this yesterday, is just how underwhelming that 2023 free agent wide receiver classes like the best names on that list are like dj chark um aj green jarvis right. landry like none of these names make you salivate if you're uh, in the front office so you've got to get something in get something done now so you're not just leaving it up to the draft and potentially just having to go on the bargain bin of free agency to find some playmakers 
Uh, one last thing on the receivers. <laughs> I know we harped on it a lot when it happened. And, I mean, Nikhil Harry and Chase Claypool are younger than Bayless Jones. <laughs> like, let that set in for a second, everybody. Uh, and, you know, the drop last week. He can't catch punts. He can't catch the – it's like, ay yay, ay Courtney, what – and, and he still can barely get on the field. I don't know that they totally trust him. The snap count was still below 20%, I think, last week. Um, and you want to give guys sometimes the benefit. They're rookies. They're this, they're that. The guy's 25 and a half, and it's like, what What in the world is going on? Yeah, they. and here's the thing. Like, the, the receiver room, they already had a big-body guy in Nikhil Harry. They had another in Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool is the only one who has 4-4-2 speed. And Bayless Jones is like a little bit faster than that at four three, but they can actually utilize that speed in a different way because what Bayless Jones has shown you is that he's really streaky. And that ball, according to Matt Eberflus, quote on the money, oh, the one yeah. that he dropped. Yeah. Like that's that is an indictment if your head coach is saying that. Whereas, you know, we've seen this song and dance now for nine for eight weeks. Like I just feel like. I'm not trying to write Bayless Jones off halfway into his rookie season, but he's not coming along as fast as this team would have hoped. So for for it, it's not injury related. I just think he's not picking up the playbook as quickly as he needs to, and the drops have been an issue, whether they've been on punt return or whether they've been as a wide receiver. So they're utilizing him in spurts. There was another jet sweep last week, yeah. which I thought was a nice thing yeah. to see. Yep. Maybe all you have to do with him is put the ball in the belly of the receiver instead of trusting him to catch it mm. and utilizing that speed just to be able to get to the edge. I mean, it's not a bad strategy. You're still utilizing it. You're just not trusting him um, on game-changing 45-yard passes oh. that could have brought you down to the red zone. You're not putting that ball on him. You're I've, putting it on somebody I, else. I like the new position you just gave me, the ball <laughs> in the belly receiver. That's awesome. I like that. I, I, mean, I mean, isn't that what a jet sweep is? Yeah. Like, that's pretty yep. much, if you looked it up, a definition of that, that's yep. what it would say. Exactly. I, I can't I wait. I, I want to see it on the football card. BNB, RWR. The, the, well, the, the only thing is I don't want my team's third-round pick only being a jet sweep <laughs> yeah, guy. It's exactly. like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like the deepest wide receiver draft class ever. And you got a guy like, well, we can't throw him the ball. Let's just use him in jet sweeps. I'm, oh, my God. Um, okay, a couple other things with Courtney here real quick. Uh, that locker room, especially maybe the defensive side of things. Like, how, are they shook? How do they feel in a week's time, you know, Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith being shipped out of there? Yeah, I'm real curious to go in this afternoon once practice is over to see how different it feels. Because last week when Robert Quinn was traded, we were in there on Thursday. And you could definitely feel tell. I mean, Robert's the one who had the big boom box, so it wasn't I sound so old saying that. It was a speaker. Boom box. Um, I love it. <laughs> they, uh, he was the one playing music most times. It was kind of quiet, and you know, Roquan Smith is, was a huge presence for this team. Spent you know his entire career here so far, and now he's gone. Like, I went even downstairs. I don't know if you guys remember from where we were here at Hallis yesterday yeah. for the announcement. Um, you know, they had Roquan Smith's jersey in one yes, of their like plexiglass things. That's gone now. So um, it just, it, it just, there's a lot of change and a lot of turnover. And I think the Bears are handling it in a way that at least I've not heard from a lot of teams where typically, yes, you can be upset. You can have emotions. They try to contain those within a 24 hour period because you know, these are human beings. These aren't robots. But for the, for Matt Eberflus and for Ryan Poles to meet with the leadership council. So there was a sense of transparency of them knowing what's going on for 
them to have an idea of why the trade was made and also what it means going forward, I think that that's a good sign of trying to make sure that you don't lose the team at the halfway mm. point. Because we can see the writing's on the wall of what this team is doing. Yeah. The teardown is nearly complete of what Ryan Poles uh, wanted to execute. But on top of that, too, you still got 53 guys in this locker room, some new faces added in there, too, but a lot of young faces who you need to guide through this process. And I know that some people get upset and still even, um, you know, we're, we're upset with Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith for getting, like, upset last week when he finds out about Robert Quinn. And who knows, maybe that was some foreshadowing that he knew he was next. We want so often for these athletes to be open, to talk about more things. And then the second they show emotion, you have a bunch of meatheads saying, oh, well, it's a business, like, suck it up, blah, blah, blah. No, I think that that's an idiotic way of looking at it. And the, what was, you know, there's a lot of real and raw emotions because these guys had relationships with each other going through a very trying season. This isn't easy on any of these players to be three and five right now and for it to be a roller coaster every single week. So for Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles to try to manage that as best they can, I think that that'll tell you just where this team is at and, and how they're trying to keep the culture together while there are some massive changes that they're dealing with. Uh, good points. All right, last thing real quick. Cody Whitehair designated to return. When do we think he starts practicing and when might he play again? Yeah, so his window opens today. Uh, we're about to go out to practice, so we'll be able to see if he's out there. Um, you know, this was a knee injury for him in New York, and Matt Eberflus didn't rule it out that he would be able to play this Sunday, but I think it's going to be a deliberate process of making sure he's up to speed. So we won't know, I would imagine, uh, for a couple days whether he's even going to be activated off IR. All right, Courtney, thanks for the update. Excellent. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Take care. There's Courtney Cronin at Courtney R. Cronin on Twitter. She's brought to you by ETI School of Skilled Trades, and she joins us every week on Wednesday from Hallis. 312-332-3776. Ring us up. It's Carmen and York. We'll be right back. This is Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000. See what we're up to. See them on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. to Harper. It's good. Right center field. Lightning strikes. Two nothing fills. Alec Bohm starts the second and rips one to left field over Alvarez and gone. Ambush. Three zip. A two zero from McCullers. Marsh hits a fly ball to right field. Tucker drifting back to the track to the wall. He can get it. It's off the top of the wall and gone. The third. Flies it to center field. McCormick's going back. He's at the track. He's at the wall. Gone! Wow! Hoskins with a drive. Left field! Wow! An explosion! The South Philly Bombers with five! Uh, the, uh, the boys of Broad Street was the... Uh... That was the Flyers' nickname back in the day, Yerk, in the 70s. Like Dave had a Hammer Schultz and that oh, crew. Yeah. And, you know, they were nasty. They'd go after you. The broad, they called them the Broad Street Bullies. Yeah, Bobby right? Clark, Van Imp. The, yeah, Eddie Van Imp. Yeah, right? remember him? These are the Broad Street Bullies or the Broad Street Bombers. I don't know what they are right now, but, I mean, five home runs. And thanks to Fox for the highlights there. But it, it seemed to be the, the theme of the night. I don't know how much of the baseball game you watched, Eric, but it was that Lance McCullers was tipping his pitches, that they weren't doing anything nefarious in terms of stealing signs uh, in their home ballpark, but that he was tipping. You know, Harper pulled out. Uh, Harper uh, took that first pitch he saw, a breaking ball, yeah. uh, and he hit it deep. 
Um, more on Harper in a minute here, York. Then, before the second hormone, which was from Alec Bohm, he called him aside when he was on deck. Harper w- said something to him. Right. Bohm goes up and hits one. You know, uh, when pro athletes, like York goes, well, is great at this, Waddle. Yeah. I mean, these guys see something and they just know. York will put in his 10,000 hours. He's truly an expert. And he can see things that we can't see. Smoltz was on it, York. After the Schwarber home run, he's like, uh, something's not right here. He's like, this is... He's showing them something. Yes. Like, Schwarber quite clearly whatever knew whatever. what was coming. The way he, right. And he hit it 400 feet, a changeup 400 feet. He's like, something's off here. Glove position, hand, the way you go at the ball, whatever it is, he's doing something. He's doing something. Right. The Phillies knew it. Uh, John Smoltz knew it. They kept, like, Ken Rosenthal, and the, they kept trying to get it out of them. Like, the... And they wouldn't say. Nothing. They, they yeah. kept, you know, and, and so there's something seemed to be up last night. Um, this is not odd. It's not unusual. You do see it from time to time where pitchers just start tipping for whatever reason. Well, you Darvish was accused, right? Yes, he was. You Darvish was accused of tipping when he's with the Dodgers, right? I remember uh, we had Eduardo Perez come on the day after they lost that World Series, and he was adamant with us. You remember? He's like, guys, I am telling you. This is what was happening, and you Darvish was tipping his pitches, and the Dodgers were all, uh, yeah, oh, no, I'm sorry, the Astros right. were all over. It was when he was with the Dodgers and they lost. So uh, it was pretty wild. Kyle Schwarber hits his 13th career postseason home run, Yurko. 13. That's what he does. He, he has a home run once every 12 at-bats in the postseason in his career. It's pretty good. Uh, today's the anniversary of the Cubs winning the World Series in 16. It is, yeah. Um, we were Jason, there. Jason Hayward will be in studio with Waddle and Sylvie oh, later nice. today. So be listening for that. Wonderful. I'll try to uh, double check on a time for that. We'll talk to the guys in Crosstalk about that. Um, Kyle Schwarber, I'll repeat it, 2.30, thank you. Kyle Schwarber has a home run once every 12 at-bats in the postseason in his career. Now, real quick, back to Bryce Harper. You might remember I was pushing hard for the White Sox to sign Bryce yes, Harper were, or Manny Machado. I thought... You know, you can pay these guys because they're not 30-year-old free agents. They were 26, 27-year-old free agents. Uh, there's a big difference. Um, Bryce Harper has won an MVP since he signed with the Phillies. He's got his team in the World Series now. I don't know that they'll win it. They are up 2-1. to one. Are you, Do you know what Bryce Harper is doing in these playoffs in 14 games? In these are small samples. Games. I get it. The variance is high. He could just as easily um, be miserable, and I wouldn't say it defines him. Batting but. average, uh, 295. On-base percentage, 415. Uh, slugging percentage of 645. You almost nailed the on-base identical. Try a batting average of 382 mm-hmm. and on-base of 414. Try a slugging percentage of 818. That That's was, a good OPS. Yeah. His OPS in the playoffs is 1.232. He has seven home runs, 13 RBIs, and 12 runs scored in 14 games. I'm a little bit off. He could just as easily, again, be miserable, and I wouldn't say like in small – like I don't think Justin Verlander is not an all-time great because he stinks in the World Series. Right. And that's what he's done. In his career, Justin Verlander, for whatever reason, has stunk in the World Series. He's got an ERA of six. I don't know how to explain that. Right. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He's – He's arguably the second best pitcher of this generation behind Clayton Kershaw. You know, Max Scherzer, Verlander, Clayton Kershaw, that threesome, I'd say, it's pretty good are the back. best pitchers of this generation. Why do two of the three stink in October? I don't know. I don't know either. I can't explain it. but And so I don't know why Harper's been so damn good, but it's incredible what he's doing right now, York. Incredible. He's just so locked in. He is so good. It's why I was hopeful that the White Sox would sign him, but they did not. 
Uh, it is what it is at this point. That atmosphere, that ballpark is really rocking. It's really something right now. If they can win tonight, they're going to put a lot of pressure on the Houston Astros. They really are. Because remember, you get the three games. They yes, still do it the home. old way. Yeah, They still get the three games in the middle of the series at home. The road 2-3-2, two, two, Carm, they Correct. call it. Yes. Correctamundo. The NBA ditched that. The only reason the NBA did it was because back in the old days, the NBA wasn't nearly as popular. And they did it to convenience... To stay in the West Coast three straight games. Right. So they did it for, not only did they do it for the players, but they did it for the media. Yeah. Because it was more of a convenience and they needed the media attention. They don't need it now, obviously. Right, right. It, it was the, um, it's because the travel was between like three cities. Right. It was Los Angeles, Philly, and Boston. It, it, Those right. were like the three cities that were consistently in the finals. Yes. And they did it for the players and the media. They needed to convince the media. Can you imagine if they didn't do that and the media would be like, I'm not going making two trips from Boston. Because nobody cared about the NBA back then. And it's funny to think that way now. But that's why the NBA did it. They ditched it. Baseball still does the 2-3-2. And if the Phillies win tonight, they're going to put a lot of pressure. uh, And I mean a lot of pressure on the Houston Astros. So, How do you guys like it? I kind of like it that way. I like the 2-3-2. I do too. Puts the onus on yeah. Houston to have to win a game. Yeah. They did what they needed to do in Houston. The Philadelphia Phillies won the first game. Now it forces them to go ahead. You got to do something. You got to make something happen for yourself. Yeah. One of these three games to get it back home down three to two. I'm trying to think, do I like it? I mean, I, is it a little bit unfair to the team that won the home field advantage? Like, you should have home field advantage for a reason. So I think I would prefer they two. They did. They had the first two games. 2 one, one, one but. They did. They had the first two games. And they also get the advantage. If they can force it back home, they get yeah, the final two games right. at home. field advantage. I like it because it's less time off in between games. Simple as that. Yeah, I don't need a yeah. day. I don't need a day. The, the travel. extra travel day to come the back. Extra, to yeah, go. Yeah. I don't need that. Do you wish the NBA still did it that way, guys? I don't um, mind it. Okay. I... I'd be okay with it. The Bulls right. might have won more championships at home that way. Plus, to be honest, do we really need the NBA Finals the last two and a half weeks? And I'm, I'm exaggerating, oh, but like, saying. yeah, yeah, no, you know, the way the league has kind yeah. of yeah. stretched yeah. out the finals, oh it's God. like we Painful. start watching yeah. the finals on June 8th and it doesn't end until like the 20th. Yeah, it's probably too drawn out. You're right. That's a good point. Maybe they'd speed it up a little if they just did 2 3 2. Hey, look, Philly Sid's on the line. Philly, I think Sid's just an Eagles fan. I don't think you're not a Philly, uh, you're not a Phillies fan, right, Sid, or are you? That would be correct. Actually, yeah. our, uh, earlier when you were talking about sweetness. Yeah. That was my favorite player as a kid growing up. Actually, the first football game I ever saw in person as a kid, I was 10 years old. Walter came to Washington. I grew up in the D.C. area. Okay, okay. He came to Washington and destroyed the Redskins. It was awesome. Gotcha. Me and my buddy were watching it. We were the only people in the stands that were cheering. Everybody else was looking at us like we were aliens. You love that. But, hey, the, the, the trade today, the trade to get Claypool, I think this is extremely genius on what they're doing. And the reason I say it is because they now have three guys. Him and Yurko's favorite guy, and Kiel Harry. Yeah, right. That's my uh, guy. And then you add Mooney in. They got three guys that next year are going to ca- count less than $6 million against the cap. So you give them – you give Claypool the rest of this season, same with N. Kiel Harry, and then you go into next year. You've got these guys all locked up all the way through next season, and you've got very little money tied into your primary position on the field offensively. And you're giving your young quarterback guys that should be able to do something. And then as far as the draft pick is concerned, draft picks are what draft picks are. You never know how they're going to turn out, right? It's, it's like Forrest Gump in the box of chocolates. They may be great, 
in the fifth round and they may be busts in the first round. You know what Claypool is capable of because he's got NFL experience. You get him in the right environment. You give your quarterback somebody who has skill to throw the ball to, and you see where it goes. And if it doesn't work out, it's just like basically a second-round pick that turned into a bust. In my opinion, it's better because you already know what you got. All right, Sid, thanks for the thoughts, buddy. We appreciate it. They need help at that position. And, again, surveying the market and just taking a look at what's going to project in the spring. I think Paul's – and Courtney was reiterating this. Waddle brought it up yesterday. He, he just – he looked at it and said, let's do it now. And we'll give up our second round pick for some of the reasons that Sid was saying. Like, we're going to have to use one anyway in a receiver. They still might. There's nothing that prevents them from drafting a wide receiver. Like, the Bears are going to have yeah. one six picks in the first five rounds. Is that I right? I believe the so. Way it yes. adds up? I think. Yeah. I hope I have that right. There's nothing to say that somewhere in there they can't use one of those picks on a wide receiver and find a very valuable one. You, teams do it all the time. Yes, they do. You know, they'll probably use one of those picks to replace Roquan Smith. We all acknowledge and admit Roquan's a terrific player, but when we talk about premium positions in the NFL, we don't put inside linebacker very high on the list. We put a lot of position groups ahead of it. And then I was looking, you're just like, when we think of the best off-ball linebackers right now, I'm not talking about all time, just like right oh, now boy. in the league, okay? Right. I'm gonna, I'll give you a few, and I'll tell you where they were drafted. Go okay? ahead. Shaq Leonard, who's probably the best. I mean, like up there with Roquan. Shaq Leonard, round two. Fred Warner. Round three, Matt Milano, round five, Bobby Wagner. He's dipped a little from his prime, but Bobby, right, Wagner, but Bobby was his, Wagner was a stud for a long time. And he was a second-round pick, Yerk. Yeah. And he was a stud, you're right, to Mario Davis, who continues, even at his age, to be a very good player. He's been a good player in his career. Round three, Eric Kendricks, who we know more, well, perhaps, as Bear fans, because he's played in the division so long. Second-round pick, Levante David, second-round pick. Don't, I mean, like... You, you sec two, three, four. Right. You'll find a lot of those guys that can yes. be really impactful. I think you can find a receiver in the second round too. You know what yeah. you can't find in the second round usually is the uh, stud guy coming off the corner or a left tackle rushing your yeah rushing your pass rusher or your left tackle. You're right. right. That's usually where you don't finding find the Orlando Brown and having him become better than he was. You know what people thought he was going to be. And some still question really how good is Orlando Brown Jr. I question it big time, Eric. Yeah, I, and so, I really do. And I mean that's fair. That's fair. I'm, I'm not telling anybody they shouldn't question it, but that's just it. Yeah. You know what is I, it? Yeah. I think you're right. So that's why I think it's it's not it's not going to sit well with everybody. I get it, but I think it's why they've big picture assess like. Yeah, we like Roquan, fine, but he's not our guy, yeah. and we don't value that position group very much, and yeah. we'll find guys there. You'll and, find what you need to find elsewhere. And we're not going to pay him what he wants to get paid. Right. So You get a receiver, you can get that off-ball linebacker, you can get everything. But there's only a handful of things you can get right away. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that's where you got to go. Left tackle, pass rusher, it's got to come early. Cornerback. Quarterback, like that—that's the group. Mostly, I, I, mostly I, I think you buy you find your big chunky like an Akeem Hicks. I think you find him later too. I think you're right. I yeah. think inside on both lines, you yeah. can find you know, like Aaron Donald special. I get it. I mean, John Randall wasn't even drafted; well, and he was Donald, special. And again, but, I'm not asking but, for an Aaron, Aaron Donald right. type. I want somebody that just can eat up space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I know what you mean. Ted Washington. I know what you mean. Stroud, John Henderson, them guys weren't big, you know, yeah. pass rush guys per se, as much right. as they just had the bull rush and they were big bodies, and that's what they provided for you. Henderson was awesome. I, I'm, talking, I'm talking about, you know, the, the big guys. Now, the, the guy that has the, the repertoire of pass moves from the inside 
It's a rare. It's rare. Yeah, it's yeah. Rare. Like, I get it. The Randalls and the Donalds of the world yeah. are kind of rare. That's true. It's so rare that they couldn't even identify Randall as a premier guy. Yeah, he wasn't even drafted. Yeah. It was crazy. He was just undersized. And it's like, oh, we don't know I what to do him. with him. I met him in California out at San Jose State. Yeah. We're playing the Martin Luther King All-Star game, the first one they ever had. And it was Division One players that weren't in any of the bowl games and weren't invited out west Amazing. for the Shriners game. A bunch of those guys, Division One guys against Division One, AA, two and three. They call it different names now, but that's and we played them, we beat them, but we had Larry Centers, we had Melvin Proctor, we had a bunch a lot of guys, guys that played that were playing on yeah. our team. Yeah, yeah. It's Carmen and York. We'll be right back. You're listening to Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000. Follow at Carmen DeBalco and at Yurko 64 on Twitter. Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Right here in the studio on Friday to wrap the week. But Waddle and Sylvie are going to be out for Miller time and a football Friday. The boys are uh, going to be at Shoeless Joe's Ale House in Addison 2-6 to six this week. Saturday, big day for the station. You're going to get Black and Abdallah, Chicago's College Tailgate, live from Finney's in Lincoln Park on Marcy Street, starting at 9. And then Peggy and Dion are going to do their show live until 1. So uh, 9 all the way to 1, Chicago's College tailgate with Black and Abdallah into Peggy and Dion live at Benny's in Marcy Street. So if you're doing some shopping, you know, it's already time to start thinking about the holiday shopping. Let's face it. Try around the corner. Booze for the holiday season. Come on through. Go through. The taste room's open, so you can drink there. You can watch the guys, and you can watch Peggy and Dion do their show afterwards. We're going to be at Benny's tomorrow night for bourbon and bacon. If you're going, can't wait to see you. Hope to uh, see everybody there if you have a ticket. And It'll be great for the first time since 2019 to be back live together in Benny's. We did a virtual event in 2020. We had to do an outdoor event out in the Burbs. Last year, as we kept it rolling, raising money for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. But uh, we are looking forward to being back at Benny's for the first time in three years, if you can believe it, York. And we're going to be there tomorrow. So the boys are going to get a heavy taste of Benny's. They're swinging by after their show tomorrow night. Uh, leading into what will be game five of the world. I'm just going to leave my stuff there. You might as well leave just, it there. Just leave my bag behind the bar. Lock it in a cabinet somewhere behind the bar. Just yeah. Like, Can you guys hold this for me? You guys are going to be back on Saturday. What's the biggest college game of the week that you guys want to talk about? Oh, Tennessee, Georgia. Tennessee, yeah, Georgia. Come Tennessee, on. Georgia. One, yeah. one in three. One, yeah, well, it's the old, the old uh, set up uh, for Georgia to have a little extra juice for yeah. the game, right? Hey, look, juice. that are, team over there, we're the defending champs at home. We're undefeated, and we're ranked number three. What yeah. happened there? What, well, like, it what, has the juice. Here's what's said. It's because I mean, Tennessee's got the win against yeah. Bama. Is that why? Well, it's it's The weird committee because... loves the, the resume win. Yeah. And they do have the best win, right? Yeah, and it sets up it sets up weird because now if Georgia beat now Georgia's an eight point favorite. Right. If Georgia beats Tennessee, do they fall out of the top four and you move Michigan in? That's it's all good. about it's all about wins. So like the committee really values wins against their own top twenty five because the committee comes up with their own top twenty five and not the, the AP top 25. Mm-hmm. So if you have wins over teams that are solidified in what they think is the top 25, that's important to them. That's how you get Clemson in the mix. Are we sure Clemson's four? I don't know, right? but if, like, you, if you look at their top 25, Clemson has a bunch of wins against teams that are ranked in the 20, uh, yeah. uh, 20 through 25 in the low teens. And what, right? what happens if Georgia yeah, beats Tennessee and then Tennessee doesn't play in their own 
conference championship game. Because Georgia would have the win head-to-head head and will go to the SEC title And then game. if Georgia beats Al, is this what happened a few years ago to Alabama, where Alabama didn't play in their SEC championship game because they lost to Ole Miss and they still got in and they ended up winning the national championship? What do you think about Bama being, what, Bama six, right? Bama six. Yeah. If Bama wins out, they're in. They're in. Bama I beats LSU, if, beat LSU, beat Ole Miss, and then you'll beat Auburn. You're, and you're beat, you'll beat Auburn. And if then you if beat you win, Georgia. If you beat the SEC, yeah. you know, East Division winner. You're in. You're gonna, they're going to be in. Yeah, I they're in. Yeah. They're gonna be. Michigan, I got to say, like. All I, the criticism that they, he was under. They, well, yeah, and like the one. I, now, I don't think they've really been tested that much. But in the two games, which you'd say they were against some quality, like the Penn State game maybe. They they drilled them pretty good, you know the Maryland yeah, game. They played well. Wait, what about TCU? Uh, yeah, TCU is undefeated. Call. TCU is undefeated. TCU is undefeated. They've beaten ranked teams. They have. They beat like four of them. Yeah, they in a row. They beat four they in, beat a row, like I three in a row. I think they beat three in a row. If and, I and, and two of them are in the top twenty-five for the CFP rankings. So yeah. Kansas State and Oklahoma State are both in their top twenty-five. So the, those are valuable both. wins. I, I think, like, the one thing with TCU is they're just going to, if they continue to win, they'll continue to move up because I think some schools in, like, the top six will fall back at some point because a lot of them face each other. Mm. So a team like TCU well, just keeps winning, your, and they should be okay. To your point, there's a Ohio State-Michigan game coming up in yeah. a couple of weeks. Ohio State-Michigan, uh, then the Big Ten championship game, Yeah, right? So, like, that's no, going to right. have a different impact. I mean, obviously the West and the Big Ten is no good, but... They can work their way in. Yeah. Yeah, how, it's possible. How, how dare you? How dare you speak of 17th-ranked Illinois like that? 16th ranked? Like I said, Big Ten West, yeah. West this year is not very good, guess. 16th, 17th uh, ranked? So I, I know you. what I said. How dare yes. you? The Big Ten West. Thanksgiving Saturdays, your uh, Ohio State-Michigan yes, game. Yes, always. Yep. Yeah. Big, the Big Ten West is unbelievable. Big battle against I, Rutgers and then a, a, just a tough tilt at home against Nebraska. A very tough tilt. <laughs> Jeff is in Crown Point on ESPN 1000. What's up, Jeff? Hey, fellas. Sorry to interrupt your college talk, oh, but right. I'm more I'm more stoked about the Bears. Yeah. You know, we got Chase Claypool, which is huge because, A, he's right. He's close to home in South Bend. He's got, he got Brown together. So it's a breath of fresh air. It stinks losing Roquan. But we actually went and got a receiver. This is a big boy, how oh, you're yeah. hearing this voice that, he sounded excited. And yeah. the caller uh, before the break and all that broke down, look how cheap our receiver room is. And now we actually got some big boys and Enkeel Harry. You know, I love it. He, uh, that's like another another addition on the trade deadline because he was gone. So now we're adding two more pieces. We're actually going to see what Justin can do. We spoke of this earlier, you know, that it's we got a quarterback. Now we still need to we get don't. some studs on yep. the line. We yep. do. You know, it's good. I'm so, and we and Claypool didn't go to Green Bay. Uh, yeah, you know, exactly. that's huge. Exactly. It sounds like Green Bay was kind of sniffing around. Jeff, thanks. Um, I think we're all starting to feel better about the quarterback. I think everybody is. You can look at it objectively and be like, oh, yeah, now maybe we're cooking here. Now we're talking. This is starting to get better. It's still not completely gaudy. You know, he's still not passing for 300 yards. Like, I get it. But there seems to be growth. You can watch it and see it right now, which is a, a major step in the right direction. Jacob's in the Ukrainian village. What's up, Jacob? Hey, fellas. First and foremost, uh, I'm a transplant who's been here for three years from Colorado, so no interest in talking about the Bears with you. But um, I wanted to bring Thanks up... Thanks for the honesty, hey, Jacob. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Not. Hey, I, I love your guys' show, everyone who's on the uh, channel throughout the day. Thank um, you. I'm listening just, just about every day. But um, 
I know you guys were talking a little bit about, you know, what Bryce Harper was telling him at the plate before yes. that last home run. Yes. And um, I actually saw a video on TikTok this morning, and essentially they were breaking down the pitches from McCullers last night. And it looks like whenever he throws a curveball or any of his breaking pitches, that front knee, the left knee for him, mm. is going on a horizontal plane opposed to a vertical plane going up and down. So mm. my assumption is that that's what he told him, and, you know, he got that – me going straight up and do a fastball was coming and uh, went out. But uh, would love to hear what you guys say about that. And thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Jacob. I didn't I vertical look, planes. So I think what he's saying is like his knee is going towards like the third baseline, and they're looking at that, saying breaking balls coming. When it's coming up vertically, it's his fastball. That's what I'm guessing. When he's working from like the set, maybe is that what? You know, you're an expert in that. You used to say it all the time. Is you'd get Small certain talents yeah. on a guy's, you know, way a guy's hands were. I'd have where, to look. I mean, I'm always looking I, at hands right on the away. Line, right? Like you yeah. look and see. Well, the weight, weight, where the weight is distributed. Right. You know? Yeah. How heavy are they? Look at the fullback, see if he's going forward or if he's moving laterally. Mm. You know, just stuff like that. Small little things. If a guy was pulling, you could see he was different than everybody else. Uh, yeah, right. You know, so if I showed you a video and I, I, I pointed out to you, I'd say this guy's pulling one so, way or the other. So he was coming out of his set quick to get down to pull. That's what you're saying? Like well, yeah. Was, well, he can't be forward on his hand because he's got to be light he, on his feet right. because he's moving. Because he's got to pop up and go. Right. He's moving to, laterally, not forward. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. He's not looking for push. He's got to go down the line of Which scrimmage. Which is why guys now on third and seven, they don't even get in their stance. So, but they ain't fooling nobody anymore. Ah. Third and seven, we're throwing the damn ball. You know? Down and distance starts to dictate. Down distance personnel, and then formation. That yeah. all starts to dictate like something that. to yeah, you, right? Yeah. So maybe that's the tell they were getting. Maybe it was nothing even with his glove. Well, or we got to look at it then. Yeah, let's I'd like us to look. take a look at it and see if we can find something different. And and you just start from the first pitch, right? Over and over, and see if we can find something. But I'd also imagine. Would it be different? Wind up to set? Maybe not. Sure, it would. Yeah, I would think it would the be. The set would be different. Yeah, then. I would yes. think it'd be different. He brings it back and then he goes. Yeah, interesting. We I gotta look for that video and we can check it out. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Cross talking about fifteen. It's Carmen and York. We'll be right back. See what Carmen and Yurko were talking about on Twitch. Follow ESPN One Thousand Chicago today. This is Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. I had a slice of lose at the partner outing we did, Yurk, at the Sanctuary. Oh, my God, it was glorious. Just absolutely glorious. I'm going to play a little Chase Claypool for you. Uh, we played this one soundbite early in the hour. I want to play a few again, though. We met the media about an hour ago. Here's Chase Claypool, the newest bear. What excites you about this opportunity? I think just the way they perceive me here. Obviously, they, they went out and got me. So I think that says a lot about how they feel about me. So I think just the, the opportunity um, that they, they kind of gave me by picking me up. Uh, what skills? Does he bring to this offense? I'm a playmaker, and I'm and I'm excited to make plays. I feel like I didn't have uh, you know the full opportunity to show what I can do um, this year, but I think I've been able to show that in the past, and uh, I'm excited to be able to gain that trust with Justin too, where he knows if he needs to play, he can come to me, and frankly, probably any receiver out there. So um, that's just a, a dynamic playmaker is is the guy that the Bears are getting. I'm excited to watch you play make Chase Claypool. I like this trade. Um, been consistent with that since it happened yesterday. 
Was this a slight overpay? Uh, you know, potentially down the line, we could look back and say, yes, it was. But I think there's a lot of talent and a lot of skill. And I know I loved what I saw when he was a rookie. Uh, has it dissipated a little? It has. Some of that is just the situation, things that have gone wrong in Pittsburgh. I hope a, a second start or a second chance clean start is exactly what he needs because uh, there's a lot of athletic ability and there's a lot of talent in that body. And I was surprised to look and see just how much he was in the slot this year. You know, he just did. And, 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 and guys can look He became one way. the third guy. Yeah, and I guess you're right. I mean, 83.3% of his snaps um, or his targets out of the slot. And it was like, whoa, that's just a – I was not expecting that. It's not a number that we saw early on. And maybe it is the addition of Pickens. Um, but, yeah, like Yurko said, when all of a sudden you become the three, he seems more suited for that outside – you know, that big-bodied outside X receiver, and especially if you get some favorable one-on-ones out there, he's the kind of guy where you could throw it to with that big frame and that catch radius. Go get it, and let's see you make some plays down the field. I think it's an, a much-needed element to this Bears offense. Right? Yeah, I, I still think that your one and two is um, your one and two is either going to be Claypool and Mooney or Harry and Mooney, and then when you go three wide receiver set, and remember, they're playing three, four wide receiver set. All the time. Yeah. A lot now. A Probably lot. if I had to guess 60% of the yeah. time. It's you don't lot. see a fullback in there. It's usually one back. The Bears have run with fullback yeah, in there Blossom before. Yeah, game has been yeah. in there a little bit, but yeah. no, you're right. You're but right. Uh, it's probably 60% of the time you're in three or yeah. four wide receiver sets. So you're going to have to have those guys. And then Mooney moves to the slot where maybe he's a little bit better. Yeah, he's got that little jitterbug. Yeah, right? and that's you know, fine. That's a good thing. More quick twitch as opposed yep. to those guys that are going to be long down the field. Yeah, Mike Evans types. Let's see if they can play like Mike Evans, though. Catch the ball like yeah. Mike Evans. Yeah. Well, listen, Harry looked good in that touchdown. Yes, he did. I didn't mind that. Right across the middle, put the ball out in Big front body. of him. Defender can't make a play out of it. You're in between the ball and the and the defender. Made a nice catch. Yeah, Scored like, a touchdown. I like, I like that. Uh, here's Claypool. You're worried about a long-term contract. Why is this not working now? Chris, what happened? How does it work one second ago, and now it doesn't work? That's a great question we've been asking great, for quite some time. It's a great Carm. question. Uh, Let me fire it. Here we go. It's a great for question. For sure, yeah. Um, but that's not really something I like. kind of look at. I think um, I just got to play ball, and then if I start worrying about that, I think that will gain my mental um, in terms of, you know, oh, I need to play good. It's just, you know, I'm going to go play ball and do, do what I do. You got nine games, man. Go prove it. Go show it. Got nine games to do it. And that's a decent sample where the Bears could get a real good idea. So, Bears and Dolphins, you got a lot of different personnel. You know, both teams were pretty active. Yesterday was a wild day, man, for the trade deadline, wasn't it? Is this the new NFL, York, where teams like the teams that are good feel like, hey, we got to go in and we can sacrifice some draft picks like the Rams did if it means we feel like we're ready? I'm, maybe if some people are a little crazy in how good they think they are. Like, I, I think Miami's good. I think offensively they're good. They're exciting and explosive with those two wide receivers they have. I, you know, is do, are they set with Tua and like should they have traded a first rounder for Bradley Chubb? I mean, time will tell. But that seems to be the feel now. It's like, hey, we're, you know, the we're Vikings traded second play. and third round picks. Getting now they lost, a, they lost a, a Irv Smith for right, a little for while here, ten weeks to be exact. And so maybe they were a little bit more desperate. They, they but like they're looking down. They're what are they six and one? Right, well, the Vikings first, are six and he, one. And they're he's like first rounder. He was and like, hey, we'll trade I second. Mean, that's and third what round he is. Picks. They can franchise and they can move them if they want. Yeah, 
They can franchise a movement if they want. Same way they got him, they can go ahead like, and move him. It's it, not like, hey, Hawkinson has had those high-level games. Oh, he's a good player, yeah. I mean, it's, he's had the 173 yeah. touchdown games. He's had those in his career. He had a monster game you, earlier this you've year. You've seen it. I yeah. mean, you can't get to the football You can't get the football to him consistently. Is that the quarterback's problem? The offense in Detroit's problem? Or is it his problem that he can't get as open as he needs to be? Hmm. He had the Buck 79 game yeah. earlier this year. But yeah. the point is, you've seen him have those yes. games. Yes, no, you have. He's looked like a stud. I don't know what he's going to be in Minnesota. But you could see, like, the I think the idea or the mentality here, especially for the Vikings in a much more wide-open NFC. A little bit tougher if you're the Dolphins to be so, doing this in the AFC. But. What I do is if it helps me get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's what the so, Miami ploy is, what Minnesota's ploy is. Minnesota looks around the NFC and says nobody's I mean. doing crap. I know. And you've got pretenders, I believe, in the East. Both of the Eastern conferences, if you take a look at them, like one of them's 18 games above 500. I mean, it's ridiculous how yeah, good they East. are. Yeah, one of the AFC, NFC East, either one of the East. There are a ton of games above 500. Yeah. Okay, that's going to come back to some uh, normalcy. Okay, it will. Hey, and then yeah, who's going to be the Jets the real team? I think Zach Wilson's going to hold the Jets back. Well, the Commanders are four and four. They are right. You've got five uh, and did... three, five and three, or six and three, and then like six and two. It's ridiculous. Yeah, in in the NFC East, you've got the only undefeated team. You got two six and two teams and a four and four team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's four, four, that's six wins. right there. It's fourteen games above yeah. five hundred right yep. there. Yeah, it's a lot. And look at the NFC. And then, I mean, yeah. the NFC. And then you got six and one. You got two five and three teams and a four and four Patriot team. So nobody yeah. below five hundred in that division either. Uh, even though the Dolphins, believe it or not, the Bears' opponent this week, they've got the worst scoring differential out of all those teams in the AFC. That's why, to me, it's maybe a little bit more of a reach of what they did, like to trade a first rounder for Chubb. Like, how good are they really? Their offense is a. I mean, look, we'll talk more about this tomorrow. The, the dealing with Hill and Waddle, like you want to talk about a nightmare for defenses yeah. and defensive coordinators. Speed. This is a nightmare. I mean, it's speed. just it's yeah, it's unbelievable. Speed personified. Yes, you're yeah. Skill, it's speed, quickness. It's sickening, dude. And what do you do against that spaghetti formation? I don't know. You have to break that down with us tomorrow. You got to help us. With I got that. a different theory than most do uh, because uh, you know we'll spend more time in the matchup tomorrow and Friday on that. I caught my C and B. Now we know that. Tyreek Hill's almost always out of the slot. That's not weird. And they put him in slot stack formations or bunch formations, and he's getting free releases. And like Yurko calls it, that spaghetti. I mean, it's insane how open they're getting these guys just with scheming their speed. They are a nightmare to defend. There's no doubt. We'll break more of that down in the next couple of days as we get closer to the matchup. Coming up next, we're going to crosstalk with Waddle and Sylvie. Justin Fields has the final word brought to you by Bath Planet. Carmen and Yurko present today's final word because you had to be a big shot didn't you you had to open up your mouth today's final you word had to have the last word on carmen and yuriko is a sign of the team you faith in you uh i mean yeah but i mean when you i think at any time when you trade for a player like him you're just trying to make the team better um kind of like coach flu said he, you know we're just trying to make the team better overall so